We up now. It's your boy Alejandro Hernandez. Welcome to the Drill on the Wind podcast. It's your boy Drill. And uh, today, uh, today's special guest, we have Kara Horian. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm feeling well today. The the book drops tomorrow and I'm super excited. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, I mean, you just mentioned your book. So let's talk about why you're here. Uh, so folks at home, Karen is a newly self-published author of Cries of the Butterflies, the book of poems. Uh, first, I want to thank you for sending me a, a copy. Uh, I really didn't expect it, but I was a uh, I was pleasantly surprised and I was kind of honored, you know? Yeah, of course. I'm happy that you got a chance to read it. Um, yeah, I was definitely down to send you a copy. I wanted you to be able to check it out before we chatted. So I'm glad you got a chance to read it. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, I said, I'm actually, uh, I used to be really big into poetry back in like high school, first couple years of college, but I kind of fell off. So this kind of helped me get back into it. So I gotta also thank you for that for sure. It's definitely a type of poetry I like. Um, it just has like a, I like to call it like a simple elegance, you know, it's very straight to the point. I think that resonates with me just because I think that's just my personality in general. So I like reading. That's how I got into poetry really back in high school, you know, uh, before I used to, I don't want to say not like it, but it just wasn't my thing. You know, middle school, they taught us about it in like high school, you know, they see about all these old white men with like talking about like mm-hmm. Robert Frost, you know. I'm not hating Robert Frost, but that's just I was like, bro, I don't know what you're talking about, nature and shit. Um, but then Right. <laughs> no. Uh then yeah poems I ended up following I I guess my first poems I've fallen in love with were like rap lyrics. Cause I had, a, had another teacher who teaches rap lyrics, but as like poems, like to read it like poems. So yeah, so then that's how I ended up falling in love with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I feel like I had a super similar story um, growing up and like being taught that like Shakespeare was like model poetry um, and having all these white men as examples and then kind of realizing that there were other avenues to poetry, especially like understanding that um, that music is also poetry. So yeah, I feel like I, I kind of discovered this form of poetry in a similar way that you did. Mm-hmm. That's great. And then who are some of the influences that you have for this? In terms yeah, of like so your, honestly. I was just saying like who your influences, yeah, yeah. like your, your style. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so originally, I feel like my influences were some people who I got into poetry um, doing louder than a bomb in Chicago. So I was competing in like poetry slams. And I feel like at that point, my biggest influences were just the people around me on the um, poetry slam team because I was a freshman. I was a baby getting into poetry. So they were definitely my biggest influences to even start in the shit. But I think that like now when it comes to this specific book, um, Melanda Jean Claude, he wrote a book called Because of a Woman. Um, and that book was extremely inspiring. Um, he also has like a simple style to his poetry. 
and uh, it just resonated with me. And I started at that point writing poetry because at first I would write poetry that was meant to be performed. Um, but after I read his book, I was like, I can put this in a in a form that people can read it rather than just hear me, and they can feel it through, you know, pages rather than my voice. And so I feel like he was a he was an author who really showed me that. That's awesome. That's great. And then um, I forgot to ask you this in the beginning. Uh, as always, the first question I like to ask you, but uh, who is Kyra Horian? Man, um, I feel like. I am a, I'm a creator. I feel like one word that describes me in a nutshell is that I'm a creator and I don't use artists. I don't use author um, because I, I'll go down whatever creative avenue I have to in order to express myself. Um, and so I'm always looking for another form of like self-expression, whether that's painting, whether that's writing. And I feel like uh, my self-expression and my creativity is who I am. Um, you can always see exactly who I am, whether it's like my style of clothing or some art that I've created. Um, so yeah, I think that like a creator is the word that I would use to describe who I am. I like that. I like that. I really like how you said you you consciously choose creator over you know artists or author. Just because I mean I think you know artists especially is a catch-all term. I mean I think we're so used to it uh, or creative, you know. Uh, Nothing wrong with those terms. I consider myself creative, but I never looked at it at that perspective before. So now I kind of I kind of mess with the idea of like calling myself like when people ask me what I do, I'm like I'm just creator, dude. <laughs> yeah, you should. That's like especially when you're fearless with it. Like you don't choose a specific path to always go down. You can't confine yourself. You know. I love that. I love the word you use fearless because that's something I've been feeling myself lately. I've been feeling feeling myself become more fearless, not necessarily because. I lack fear or, you know, I'm, I have a lot of fears, but now I'm just kind of taking those challenges head on as opposed to just like shying away from it and sticking to my own comfort Yes, yeah, I remember like, I mean, fear is real, especially when like doing something that people are critical of, like, and people are critical of everything. It took me so long, I feel like, to start performing poetry, to start writing poetry because it's just, it's scary. So I think that like over the years, yeah, you just learn to become a little bit more fearless, which is a dope thing. Exactly. And it's like, fear's not a bad thing. I mean, fear is what keeps us alive from an evolutionary standpoint, but it's just learning, you know, learning to not let that fear hold you back from just, you know, doing the things that you want to do to excel in life. So like, what would you say was the moment for you that kind of maybe taught you that? Um, I think that, okay, so the, that taught me to be fearless. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So I think at the moment that um, I learned that like I needed to become a little more fearless was when... <laughs> I, I realized that because I feel like in our society, it's so normal to like get an occupation, get a good job, get a career and just do that. Um, and you're supposed to be confined to whatever you choose. And I think that I was so stuck in that like mentality for a while. And I was doing I was doing poetry as my creative outlet. But then I really wanted to start painting. 
And I was like, well, I can't paint because I'm a poet. Like, that's what I am. I'm not a I'm not an artist. I'm not a painter. I'm not a jar. I'm a poet. And then um, I just tried it one day and I realized that I was good at it. And I was like, like, you need to you need to be fearless in everything that you do. You need to try things. And if you fail, like you just fail. Um, but you need to like try things because you never know what you're good at. And I mean, since then, I've gotten into film, photography, like so many things because I have the mindset of like you need to express yourself in whatever way you see fit. And there has to there has to be an aspect of fearlessness when you're operating on that like frequency, I think. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. That really just resonated with me because I feel like I'm kind of a personally, I feel like I'm kind of in that stage of my life right now. Uh, where I kind of feel like now I really have, I guess, free time on my hands to really find new ways to express myself creatively, especially because um, I kind of got tired how kind of normalized it's become for like people, especially for people our age, to like monetize all of our hobbies. Um, and I'm, like I definitely have hobbies that you know I try to like make money off of, but like I'm kind of tired of that because now I find myself stressing over those things. And the reason why I got into those things in the first place was to de-stress. So now I'm like, I, I need to find some new things that I could do strictly for myself and not have to worry about any outside influence. Um, so like lately I've kind of been dabbling in like graffiti um, just cause that's something I've always wanted to do. Um, so just like little things like that, going out into nature and just walking, <laughs> you know, just like stuff that's just yeah. for myself. It's it's so interesting that you like bring up the monetizing thing because I struggled with that for so long. Like um, when I was when I was designing like clothing and stuff to this day, I have barely ever sold like anything because I always felt like it would like like you said, taint kind of what I was in it for. And it would make me stressful. It would make me like be doing it for the wrong reasons. And so for the longest, I would not monetize any of my art. And um, this book is actually the first time that I've like monetized my art on like a, a grand scale. I've sold some things in there to like close people, but um, yeah, like monetizing art is, it's, a, it's tricky for me because I feel like it's a gift to be able to do what you love and make money from it, but it can also be like a little bit of a curse if it's, if it's not done the right way. And balancing that has always been a fear of mine. So I, I, another aspect of me, like trying to be a little bit more fearless by um, selling my art in this book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm glad that you did it. Um, like, like I said, five out of five stars. <laughs> um, but no, I just, uh, but no, yeah, I feel that for sure. Um, I just want, I want to know how you went about self-publishing too, because I low-key didn't know self-publishing was like, Thing. It's like yeah. Loki, it kind of gave me an idea, like, oh, I would love to like self-publish my own, mm-hmm. you know, ideas. I um I actually it's crazy. I, I was going through a publisher at the beginning. I was going through a publisher, um, and she was basically walking me through, like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. And she was explaining the steps that go into publishing. And hearing her say it, I was like, I can just do that. I can do that. I can like everything that she was listing off. I was like, I can really do that on my own. And then the um, the most difficult part. Uh, so the way that like I self-published in the end was 
I had to put the book into a format that was acceptable. My my largest carrier is Amazon. So um, people can order the book on Amazon. So I had to put it into a format that Amazon would accept, which was the most difficult part of the process. Um, the interior editing, the cover, like centering, displaying, it's all so, so like nuanced. And it's also like, you have to be very detail oriented when you do it. And so I was going through a publisher and she was telling me all the things that I needed to do. And I was just thinking like, should I just go with her? Because first of all, the company that I was going through, it's black owned, woman led. And it was a company that I really wanted to support. And it's somebody that I really wanted to part, partner with, with my book. And so I was really going back and forth, like, should I go through this company or should I just try to do it myself? But even when talking to my publisher, she's like, I think that you're capable of doing it yourself. Um, and so at the end of the day, I did all that interior designing. Um, my cover, I have a book right here. Like I drew, I drew this cover on paper first. I just drew it out. And then um, I had one of my friends like trace it through Photoshop and make it digitized for me, which is also something that I've since learned how to do. But I did have that done at the time by one of my friends. And some of the interior drawings, I, uh, same process, did them on paper, had them digitized. And I put it all together, um, went through Amazon, did all that stuff, like the, the back end things. And honestly, it took me about, it took me about a week. It took me about a week of like straight grinding. Yeah. From the day that I decided, okay, it's been long enough, I'm going to publish this book. Like a week later, I had everything in the format that it needed to be in order to like have it ready for the public. So it was, it was crazy. It was like, it was like I had to get in my bag for real, but I, I grinded it out in like a week. That's awesome. That's really inspiring. Uh, I think that's great just to also just like do it yourself because that's, uh, that's hard to do, <laughs> to do something, you know, to, to self-publish, you know, whether it's whatever creative aspects, to just be independent. That's really what it is. So be independent. You know, you think about, I think in terms of art, independent artists, the, the most talked about are like musicians, obviously, you know, uh, obviously life can be so much easier going through like a reputable label or in your case, a publisher, um, but, you know, sometimes that's just not always the move because, you know, uh, there are times where maybe you might have to compromise on your vision in order to work with those, uh, those you know, those bigger companies. Um, so it's like trying to find the balance of like, trying to figure out, like, I like to say kind of like knowing your worth, basically, mm -hmm. and knowing what, what you can do. Uh, and even if it's something that you've never done before, learning that you have the ability to at least try. And I guess it circles back to being fearless. Uh, you know, I think I saw a quote somewhere where it was like, don't be afraid to try new things because, I mean, if it doesn't work out, you become wiser. And if it does work out, you become happier. So it's like a win-win. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that like people are, I mean, including me at times, it, like the fear of failure can be so crippling. And I think that overcoming that is something that you have to learn early on being a creator, being a creative, being an artist, because and really doing anything because it's a part of the process. I mean, I went through countless. I went through in that week of me editing, I went through countless like submitting it to Amazon and then being like, no, you need to fix this. No, you need to change this. Like 
and it's just margin things like tiny little things that I'm like oh just just it's fine but no like it had to become perfect and I think that like that fear of failure that fear of stumbling is something that like has to be overcome when you're trying to accomplish things it's a part of the process really Absolutely. And then, so what's the, what's your release party been like? You know, how's your day been? How's your, first of all, happy Easter too. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel so blessed to be able to have had my release party on Easter. Um, Cause my heart has been filled with so much gratitude all day, starting with like just my, my gratitude for, for Christ dying for, you know, dying for me. And then going into like my release party was today. It was amazing. I was surrounded by people who really cared about me, people who really supported me, have seen this through. Um, and I mean, I can't overstate the the role that the people around me have played and who I am and who I am as a creator. And so I can say that all of these people that I've been surrounded by have their own you know, part in this book because they have their own part in my life. And so, I mean, my day has been amazing. It has been beautiful. Um, so I, I mean, it, I didn't want it to end. It's like it was just, it was amazing. So yeah, yeah, it was like, happy I got to have. Yeah, man, I love that. I, uh, that hit me. I've been feeling the same way uh, this past weekend myself. So I've been feeling a lot of gratitude in general lately. Uh, even when I came home today, after I kind of had like a long day, I spent like the whole day with my parents for Easter, pretty much, um, and for like a minute <laughs> you know like the long those long car rides i was like damn i just can't wait to get home but then like out of nowhere i just kind of realized damn it's like the first time i spent a whole day with my parents and i haven't done it in a long time and i just at that moment when i walked through the door i was like damn let me give you like a shout out to you guys for like this is it's a miracle to come back home you know alive type shit that's like, we also visited the uh, cemetery too so to, you know there's some lost ones um and yeah and like just think about how uh you know life is fragile so it's like it's important to take those moments of gratitude to realize to be to be alive is just a gift unto itself yeah that's real no that's definitely real i agree yeah i didn't, I didn't expect to come to that long change but you know that's just what happens and then uh drill in the wind um but uh but what would you say is uh you know what's like your general like i don't know if you you know do like like meditation sessions and meditation sessions what are like five things that you give gratitude for every day um i mean i feel like this is it might be weird but i feel like it depends on where i am because like for example right now i'm in arizona um and i find myself I find myself being grateful for things that are more nature-based when I'm here. Like I wake up and I'm like, like this sunrise is beautiful. Thank you for this sunrise, you know, cause those are the things that inspire me. Um, I'm like, thank you for, first of all, like being, being alive. Like thank you for waking up, having me wake up. Um, other things that I'm grateful for is like love and support uh, from family and friends. I think that's three. Um, 
and the tools. I feel like opportunity. I've been blessed with so much opportunity. And these are the things I might not think of it in a way like, oh, I'm so blessed for opportunity, but I'll be like, wow, like I really have the opportunity to meet with Joe in the wind today, you know, and have this interview. And I'm like, that's an opportunity that other other artists might not have had. And so it'll be on little levels where I'm like, just grateful for the opportunities that I'm given. Um, I think about those things every day. Um, and also I think a lot about my health, especially like during the pandemic. Um, I think a lot about my health uh, because I mean, not everybody, not everybody is as blessed um, when it comes to health. So if I have five things that I think about daily and I'm like, like, thank you, you know, I'm really happy that I have this. It would be those five. Um, family and friends being there for me, opportunities that I have, good health, um, nature, sunsets. I don't remember the last thing. I think that was four. I don't remember the other thing. I hey, I mean, uh, Matt's never been my <laughs> strong suit. <laughs> Matt's never been my strong suit. So could have been five, could have been four. It's all the same to me. Um, but no, I want to talk about some poems though. Uh, in your book, I took like, uh, like left like little notes as to which ones, but these are like some of my favorite ones, but uh, on page 35, Mo, uh, hmm? Mo, uh, first of all, I just love the first line, be like water, because um, that's, I love Bruce Lee <laughs> and his be water quote. That's legit. I was just telling someone about that quote yesterday, now that I think about it. And so yeah, that's just my, one of my, that's yeah, probably my favorite one, just because of, that oh, 35. 35. I'm about to reread it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for if you want to, so. you know what, if you want to get into like your, um, you know, uh, performance mode, louder than bomb mode, feel free. Stage is yours. <laughs> yeah, I can read. It's your favorite poem. I'll read this one. I'll read this one. All right, thank you. Okay. So it's entitled Flow Be Like Water. Challenge every rock that proves unsteady, fit perfectly into those of, of throats of those who crave you while being nothing more than simple. Transform into every form of yourself until your cycle is complete. Water only needs water. Be independent. Be free. Flow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Um, I mean, I, even going back, I feel like I really resonates with the or relates to the conversation that we've had up to this point and it was totally unintentional when like I just picked this poem that I wasn't going into this consciously thinking like oh I'm going to relate with poems to this conversation but it just kind of naturally flowed pun intended <laughs> um and and yeah and I just love that and um it just speaks to like you said be independent learn, learn how to be fearless learn how to be in, independent challenging Challenging obstacles, basically. And like Bruce Lee said, you know, be like water. You could, with one minute, be calm. Next minute, you could crash down into this torrent, you know? Uh, it's just that adaptability. Yeah, no, I feel like out of all the poems I have in my in my book, this one relates to our conversation the most, like what we've been talking about. So it, that's super cool, um, yeah. Definitely. The whole fearless, everything that we've been talking about, I feel like that poem encompasses. I like that that's your favorite. That's interesting. Yeah, that's just how my brain works. Like so anything that I could connect to like 
other things that I'm interested in. So like how I said before, how this poem might be like water relates to my favorite Bruce Lee quote of like be water. That's just kind of like how my brain works. I work in like analogies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would you say are like some of your favorite uh, poems in here, though? Because you, you know, you really uh, definitely touched on a lot of you know uh, vulnerable topics, you know, and which I appreciate you for. Um, um, I think that one of my favorite, because you know, my my book is broken down into three sections: cries of the mind, um, soul, and heart. And first of all, I, I can narrow it down easily to say that like my favorite section is cries of the heart. I think that it was the one that took the most vulnerability. Um, it was the one that was the most difficult for me, but I feel like my, um, my heart really is in that, uh, that section of the book the most. So I'm probably gonna pull one of my favorite poems from there. Um, I'm about to go to it. It is, on page page 71 and I think that also it's it's probably my favorite because it's like it's a spoken word piece that I had um and I have like a special place in my heart for spoken word pieces but yeah 71 instrument did you want me to read it stage is yours okay Your heart is an ocean I want to dive into, provide amends to, confide in you. Loop through the tunnels of your mind, finding the hidden thoughts inside. Touch parts of your soul the world doesn't yet know. Expose your imperfections. Introduce you to vulnerability as I display to you every one of your abilities. I'll show you what you've never yet seen, teach you how to dream in color, show you how to grow with me as we blossom from a friendship to true lovers simply Touch my mind with clean hands, expand my knowledge to no end, bite into my soul with sharp teeth, treat me as nothing less than your queen, dive into my unspoken words, convert my whispers into verbs, come with everything, or do nothing for loving me is a true task. All I ask of you is building something with me that'll last. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably one of my favorites. Um, I wrote that one. I, I feel like my favorite poems are the ones that I can relate to no matter what where I am in my life. Um, and I feel like that's a poem that I continuously go back to. I wrote that poem when I was probably 16 years old, you know, and I'm 19 now. So I probably wrote that poem three years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm reading it right now at age 19 and I'm still like, yeah, I still need that. That's what I want. And um, those are the poems that I, I hold nearest to me because as they, as I evolve as a person, they continue to grow with me, which is a cool thing. Oh, that's real dope. Yeah, and I really like how, um, just how much uh, of a central theme that love is in, um, in your book and like, and, you know, I feel like I saw it most frequently um, of the topics uh, or just not necessarily love, but just like being light. You have a poem where you say you being you choose light, something like that, something along those lines. And even, you know, you have another one where you just you unapologetically cross uh, everyone in your path with kindness. And I just really like that because honestly, I feel like we need people like that <laughs> um, in the world. I try to be like that. You know, I really try to, because I used, honestly, real shit, I used to be 
He's so negative. <laughs> like, to when I think back my sophomore year of college specifically, wow, man, I was such an asshole. For no reason. I mean, I don't want to say for no reason, but because I definitely had my shit uh, that I dealt with and it kind of changed. Because before, I was always a nice person. Like, I always, like, as a kid, I would always be super happy go lucky. But then, I don't know, for whatever reason, like, my sophomore year of college, I kind of just got, like, fed up mm-hmm. with, like, some shit that I had been through. And I just started to, like, project that negativity. And it took me, like, another year and a half to two years to kind of come back to just being that light in the world. Because I, I do know what it's like to be in pain. And I don't want to be that person that projects all that bullshit into other people. Because I'm like, I, I don't know what people are going through. That's no, yeah, um, I, I completely relate. I, I do have a central theme of love, first of all, yeah. And then I also do talk about being light often and being kind despite, you know, the, the, cynical, the cynical nature of our world often, oftentimes. Um, but I relate to the fact that sometimes like the things that you're dealing with can be so overbearing that like you're reflecting those things instead of light, even if you want to reflect light. And I feel like that's things that I've struggled with as well. And I know that like growth and being the best version of yourself is not a linear path. You know, there's bumps and you fall short and you're not always the best version of yourself. Um, And so I've experienced that too. But I'm always, always, always striving to be light because like you said, I know what it feels like to be hurt. I know what it feels like to be in pain. Um, And I also know what it feels like for people to assume that you're good and to treat you in that manner. And so I treat, like I said in one of my poems, I treat everybody unapologetically with kindness. So it doesn't matter what, like how you're acting towards me. It doesn't matter how you're acting. Like I'm treating you with kindness because kindness resides in me. It doesn't matter like what the outside influences are. And I don't know what you're going through. You know, I don't know what you're dealing with. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a big part of like who I am to, and I, I fall short, you know, I, I have my bad days or anything like that, but I am constantly trying to be a light, especially in dark places, um, to be an advocate for those who aren't able to speak up for themselves, to be kind, even when, you know, I'm being hurt and things like that. And in the theme of Resurrection Sunday, I feel like I pull a lot of those influences from my faith. And um, I mean, that's also a common theme is my faith and the love that Jesus had. It's something that I'm always trying to reflect. I mean, he was he was crucified and he still is trying to love the people around him. So that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to love even re- regardless of the uh, the negativity that is either being per- perpetuated like to me directly or just in my environment. Yeah, amen. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> well, like I just I was had like a flashback to like church service today. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Um, I said like there's another line I just remember too where you have uh, it's her heal. Hurt people heal people, you know, which goes against that common phrase and hurt people hurt people. Um, just because like that's a that's a phrase that me that I use in regular in regular conversation with a friend of mine to always talk about like, dang man, this person 
fucked me up, but like I'm not mad at them because I know that they're just hurt. And we and we always talk about like, oh, hurt people, hurt people, you know, can't take things personal, stuff like that. But I really like that line specifically, hurt hurt people, heal people, because I think that's the way it should be, you know. I think um it goes back to like knowing what it feels like to be hurt. So it's like, why the fuck would you want to keep that cycle going, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I was always growing up, I was always so frustrated with that line, hurt people, hurt people. Cause it's like I've I've like you said, I've experienced, I've been on the side of being hurt. And that's a pain that I wouldn't, and I'm pretty sure it's a line in the book, that's a pain I wouldn't wish on anybody. Like the pain that I felt is a pain I wouldn't wish on anybody. So even if I'm hurt especially because I'm hurt, I'm going to, um, you know, be kind, I'm going to be loving to people. So yeah, I definitely, I do not agree with that statement. Um, Or I I don't agree that that's how it should be. It might be how it is oftentimes, but I think that we should be conscious enough to like choose differently. And um, yeah, just be be conscious of the way that we're acting. Mm -hmm. And what would you say has, um, you know, you talk about how you stem so much of your uh, influence from your faith. Um, what has your spiritual journey looked like? Um, I mean, I've grown. My spiritual journey is a unique one, I think. Uh, but it's also very typical for a Black household in some ways. I grew up in a uh, Baptist household, um, Catholic household a little bit, too. And I mean, I was going to church every Sunday. That was how it was. But then I think that I chose, I chose God myself as an individual um, in high school, probably in my like freshman year of high school. And that's when like I decided that this is something that I'm doing for me. And I mean, I've just been growing from uh, like baby faith to like, you know, grown faith um, now. And obviously I'm continuously growing. But I think that like my faith is fundamental to everything that I do, especially my art, especially my art. I feel like I'm closest to God when I'm writing poetry, when I'm painting, when I'm like doing photography or film. That's when I feel closest to God, because that's when I feel like I'm closest to God's purpose for me. And so, um, I mean, this this book is completely influenced by my faith. The reason that I decided to actually go through the process of uh, publishing this book was because I saw a sermon that was about, it was called Beta Blessings. And it was talking about how um, you have blessings that God gives you at a specific time, but they're not used, they're not ready at that moment. You have to wait until they're ready. The same way that like beta phones are, you know, there's just tests phones. And so anyways, I I realized that God had given me most of these poems I wrote when I was 16, 17 years old. And I had known, I knew since then that I wanted to write a book. I knew the title of my book. I knew everything, but I wasn't ready. It was a beta blessing. It was something that God had given me then, but it wasn't ready at the moment. And after reading, I mean, watching that sermon, I realized that like, this is the time, like, this is the time I've had this uh, idea for years now. And I think like I had been just conversing with God and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the time I'm, um, I'm back in Chicago because I've been living in Arizona 
I'm back in Chicago. I'm surrounded by so many creatives who can help me along this journey. Um, I have all the necessary tools, the wisdom, the opportunities. So I was like, this is the best time to do it. Um, And so my spiritual journey has definitely like led me to publishing this book, I would say without a doubt. That's great. Yes, awesome. Um, I like how you said that you feel close to God and you're, you know, you're doing your creative uh, outlets. Cause that's something I've kind of like figured out uh, for me personally, like how do I feel closer to God? I was having a conversation with, this, with someone the other day. And for me, I feel close to God through talking. Just through talking. And it makes sense because I'm a, I'm, I mean, I studied communications in college. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much, I mean, this is what we're doing right now. It's what I, I'm trying to do for a living is to just talk with people. But it's talking with God, you know. Uh, I think before, like when I was younger, I always like, you know, being at church, seeing people kind of like talk out loud. I thought like, I, thought, I don't want to say weird, but I was just like, I was, I was just kind of my thoughts to myself. But once I got into the habit of just like speaking out loud, those thoughts, that's when all of a sudden I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Feel myself just on like an elevated level. Um, so for you to have find, found that, I think it's really great. And I think it's important for people to find that, you know, uh, how they, to find that thing that they just feel elevated with, you know. And then, uh I just uh, also wanted to ask though, like, what are like maybe your top five poetry books too? Um, I don't even know if I have five. I won't lie. My the main reason, like, my main mode of like listening, listening to poetry, and like reading poetry is through like open mics and like poetry slams. Okay. So the the main way that I take in poems is through audio. Like I hear them. And so there are very there are very few books that I've read of poetry. Um, one of them I mentioned earlier, a woman by Melinda Shinkwade. And then another one is um, Sunday, Sunday by Raina Biddy. And then um, Milk and Honey is a big one. Uh, it's a it's a very popular poetry book. But I think that I what I gained from that book was the simplicity. She she didn't cloud like she didn't cloud her her work with, you know, a lot of images or special fonts or like, you know, things like that. It was just this is my heart. I'm just putting it on pages for you to interpret. And I think that there was something raw about that that resonated with me. Um, And I've taken like little pieces. I found little pieces of myself in each author. And I think that like they have definitely helped be an influence in um, in my writing. So I would say those three. I can't really think of five um, books off the top of my head because yeah, most of them I'm just I'm just looking at poetry slams online nowadays. But back in the day, you know, going to poetry slams, going to open mics, and just learning from that. That's cool. Yeah, and I never thought about it like that. I think, um, I mean, for me personally, I, I've always been a big reader. So that's always how I've always took in poems personally. I mean, I've definitely gone to slams before, but I never thought about it like that. That could really be the, 
biggest cons- form of consumption for, you know, if you're always attending those things, especially as a participant, that, that just makes sense. And so maybe like, what are some of those moments? What are some of those, uh, what are some of those memorable moments that you had maybe in the outside, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, Chicago is a special place. Like we can, we can all agree on that. Like Chicago is a special place, but I think that it's especially special for C. Yes, I'm pretty sure I have that somewhere in my book, something that Chicago <laughs> creating legends. But um, yeah, it's especially special for creatives. I think that the amount of opportunities and the platforms that are in Chicago for creatives is amazing and also the community. And so I think that um, when I was a freshman and I was in Chicago, I was going to Brooks um, High School and uh, I was on the I was on the LTAB team. And this is when I was so new to poetry. I remember I performed at my per- first like poetry competition. I'm pretty sure I didn't win. I'm pretty sure I did not win. Um, so it, it wasn't memorable in the way that like, oh, I won first place. I was so novice. I was so new. And I was competing with people who had been in the game. But it's so memorable for me because it was my first time like performing in front of people, you know, in that way. This was before I had been performing at Poetry Slam. This is before any of that. It was like I had been in practice, you know, practicing these poems. But for the first time, I stood up on the stage and performed them for people. And so um, I would say that my first like LTAP competition was something that uh, that like is, is very memorable for me. Um, and then just like the atmosphere, the atmosphere of like LTAP competitions is something that's memorable because it was this crazy sense of community. Like we all just, we all just like speak our feelings and emotions for strangers. And it's it's some community in that, like that vulnerability and the power that lies in that. Um, And so it, it definitely had a huge hand. LTAB had a huge hand in like beginning my poetry career, uh, giving me confidence, giving me a sense of community. I mean, those people who I was on LTAB with four years ago, I, I could still hit them up. You know, I could still reach out to them. Um, I could still consult with them, you know. And so it was just a sense of community. It was a sense of uh, confidence that I gained from those experiences. That's great. And it's great uh, that you went to Brooks because uh, shout out going to Brooks. I mean, we talk about all time great Chicago creatives. Uh, I mean, she's like, damn, you're the OG. <laughs> right, you know? right. So yeah. shout out to Dope for sure. Um, and then, so just what would you say were like, what was the, what was it like just being a part of? Because I, I wasn't a part of, I went to Steinmetz College Prep and um, our poetry scene, um, I always knew like they had like kind of like clout within like LTAP because I remember they won the competition, won, they won a, one of the competitions. So like in our school, they had a lot of clout, but I wasn't part of it. So I don't know what it was like. So what would you say was your experience like being part of uh, Mary School's poetry scene? Yeah, so um, I mean, like I said, it was dope. It was like the sense of community, the sense of, like shared vulnerability and like I gained so much from the poets that were around me because they were all so much older than I was. So I learned so much 
um, I, I developed my poetry skills because I started off, if I could say this, like I started off bad, I think. I started off really, really bad. And um, I'm lucky that I had great examples of poets because it wasn't that my poetry was bad, but I just hadn't like cultivated the skill yet. And so I think that they had a huge hand in that. But also I'd like to disclaim that I was only, um, I was only at Brooks for one year. I was only for one year. I moved out to Arizona my sophomore year of high school. Um, and I was very disappointed by the lack of like experiences for creatives in the way that it was for Chicago. I mean, OTAD was the largest um, youth poetry slam competition in the world. And that was in Chicago. And so moving out to Arizona, I'm thinking I'm going to do the same thing. Like I'm going to be performing and all this stuff. There was no poetry slam team. There was no poetry team. There was nothing like that. And so I think that it was a good thing and a bad thing because in one way I was able to create something, you know, I was able and I brought I brought poetry to people in a new way when I came to Arizona in a way they'd never heard. I remember another memorable moment for me was um, me competing in a in a talent show at my school, and I was like, I'm gonna enter it. I'm gonna do like a poet a poem because I haven't I haven't performed poetry in a while. Like I'll just I'll do this, and I mean I remember so many people coming up to me afterwards like I'd never heard spoken word until you had done that, and um, I mean all of my friends had said that they were like I'd never known that poetry could be spoken in that way I'd only heard of like you know we were talking about earlier Shakespeare you know the stuff that they teach us in class they were like I'd never heard spoken word before you and so I think that that also gave me um, a sense of individuality and a sense of confidence being in a place where I could like forge my own path with it but at the same time not having uh, access to those those people those opportunities, those experiences that Chicago only can give was definitely a loss. So I think that, um, and I mean, as you can see, it took me, I had to get out of Arizona and back to Chicago before I could publish this book. So if that doesn't tell you that there's something special about Chicago, I don't know what will. So yeah. Yeah, something's in the air, something's in the water. I don't know what it is yeah. either. Right. But uh, so then just what would you say, uh, would be the, just the differences for you uh, living in Arizona compared to Chicago. I know earlier you mentioned how uh, you're in Arizona, you tend to be more observant of uh, nature, you know, and I know obviously Chicago is a city, you know, so that's like day and night right there. Yeah. I mean, man, my move to Arizona from Chicago was the best decision I've ever made. And it has nothing to do with like not wanting to be in Chicago, because obviously you can see I made my way back to Chicago, but um, it was a completely different experience. I think that when I was in Chicago, I was just like I was becoming a product of my environment. I was just doing what everyone around me was doing. I was losing my individualism a little bit. Um, and I think that I was going down a path that I didn't really want to. And luckily, I mean, spontaneously, me and my mother just up and moved to Arizona. There was no reason. There was no, like, we just moved to Arizona. We only knew one person out here. And um, 
I was able to come to Arizona and become who I am today. I didn't have the opportunity to do that in Chicago because I was just being like everyone else around me. But here, no one knew me. Nothing was expected of me. So I could I could find out who I was and then, you know, grow into that person. And so, I mean, there's a lot of things I can tell you that's different about Arizona physically. You know, it's a desert city. But I think the difference for me was the environment, was the opportunity, um, an opportunity to be an individual. Um, because Chicago has a culture. We all know this. And it's depending on the part of Chicago you live in, so on and so forth, but there's a culture in Chicago and you're expected to get with that culture. But I think that in Arizona, um, there's much less of that and you are whoever you are. And it's kind of like a melting pot of people. A lot of people here have moved to um, Arizona. And so I just, I was able to, I was able to grow into myself here and I, I can't be more grateful for that experience. And now I'm back in Chicago and I'm back where I belong and I have all the opportunities to uh to hone and like grow the person that I be, be, was able to become during my time in Arizona that's great and then um as from now I want to kind of just talk about some of your other creatives we talk a lot about poetry obviously but you know you mentioned you're you're like uh what's the term you're a modern day renaissance woman you know you have so many different talents, avenues of uh, creativity. So, you know, film, uh, photography, which one do you want to start with? Um, I would say, I feel like the thing that I would start with is probably um, painting. I, I got into painting. That was my next avenue after poetry. Uh, and I, I predominantly, like, predominantly I paint uh, clothing. So I design clothing um, and I've been doing it a lot less because I've been getting into my poetry more, but there was a phase over the time that I was in Arizona where all I did was paint. And, you know, I was painting shoes, I was painting backpacks, I was painting shirts, I was painting pants. Like I was just designing, you know? And that's when I had the opportunity, like we were speaking about a little before, to monetize um, on my art. And I mean, it was brought up all the time like oh can you just do this for me can you do that and I'm like nah you know I just paint for myself like I wanted to be I wanted to be the individual like I didn't want to create for others I wanted um it to be an expression of myself and so yeah that was my route with painting I mean just recently over the summer um I finally monetized some of my paintings just because uh you know all the shit that was going on this summer it was it was scary. It was crazy. And emotionally, I wasn't able to be in the mix as much as I could have. It was it was too draining for me. It wasn't some I couldn't be out in the streets um, doing that just because of the toll that the loss of George Floyd took on me to begin with. I knew that that wasn't my um, my mode of activism in the moment, even though that type of direct activism was the one that I was used to. And um, so I took the route of painting instead. And I did that um, to raise money. Um, I sold all my clothes and things that I was designing around the Black Lives Matter movement. And I, I donated 100% of the profits to Fortune House um, to support all of uh, the things that they were doing during the summer, you know, the supplies they needed for protests, their yoga stuff um, after and before protests. So uh, that was the first time I monetized on um, 
my paint, my art, my paintings. Um, and I did it only for that one time because that was the that was the mode of activism that I was able to take at that time. So yeah, that was a long answer to your question, but <laughs> there are no long answers. <laughs> uh, this this is the show tangents. We love tangents. Um, we'll definitely shout out Fortune House. Much yeah. love to the gang. Um, that's actually how we met. <laughs> I realized that. Yeah. How we met. I mean, Fortune House is dope. I can't. I can't give enough credit to them. I mean, even with the photo shoot for my book, like I was shooting that at their office. Like, yeah. yeah so, um, Fortune House is an amazing organization, and I can't wait to see what they're doing in the city coming up this summer. They have some big plans. So, definitely shout out Fortune House. How are you knowing? And what are some of? Okay, so then I was you know about your painting. So, how about uh, film? Yeah, think? so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say that I'm like uh, a filmer or anything, but like I definitely uh, I record everything. I have I have like my um, my VHS camera, and I have like my digital camera, and I'm constantly you know recording things. And I think that like just recently, probably during the pandemic, I started like cutting, editing, and getting um, my 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 video clips into like actual like films, you know, actual you know merchandise. And I think that that was something that I was like, wow, I love that process. I love cutting, editing, being able to relive these memories throughout the process. So I fell in love with that avenue of um, film. And prior to that, I've always, I've always considered myself like to be a photographer of sorts because I'm always taking pictures. I have an eye for like beautiful things, I think, and I'm always quick to capture them, which I say that I get from my, my dad. He always, he always carried a camera around. He always um, did that. And both of those just film and photos, they just, they hold the past for us. It's a, probably another poem in my book, but they hold the past for us. And that is that is a, so much power in that, you know? And so that's why, I, um, that's why I got into film and photography because they do something that other, uh, other modes of creativity just can't do. They capture and hold things for us. And I think that that's just so beautiful. Yeah, I was literally just thinking about that earlier today. Uh... Yeah, I just like thinking about, like thinking about. I mean, I've been thinking about a lot about photography in general lately, just because I want to invest in a little Polaroid camera, just so I could take those little, you know, Polaroid moments, whatever the fucking slogan is. <laughs> um, and just because, like, I feel like in the past, uh, I know I've talked about this in my podcast before. In the past, I was kind of, I don't want to say anti photography, but I guess I was like kind of like that like oh i don't want to be obsessed with taking pictures of my phone all the time i want to live in the moment and then it wasn't so quarantine where i realized like damn i really wish i had these moments captured so that way i could relive them because that's like you said it has a lot of power you know to evoke to, to go to something and it could evoke so much memory and feeling so then i was even thinking about today like oh, i gotta ask my mom for like our old camcorder because i know i got some gems from when I was like a baby that I want to revisit just out the blue type business. Um, so yeah, like, I just really like how you really phrased that because, you know, those are just, there's a lot of power, you know, for those things to have and shouldn't be taken for granted. 
No, yeah, definitely. Um, crazy that you brought that up with like the old like fo- like video stuff that you're trying to check out because I just did that. Like just this past weekend, I went to my dad and I'm like, I need all the old tapes. Like I need the old camera. I want everything. And he gave it to me. Like he digged it all out. I haven't gotten the um, VHSs like developed yet, but it's some gems. Like it's it's my my second birthday and my birth and all this crazy stuff. And so it's like, man, I can experience things that I experienced but didn't experience. You know what I mean? Like I can't recall my two my second birthday, but like being able to look back on those things. But I think that it's also a balance because what you're saying is valid about. You don't want to just be walking around with your phone, like trying to capture everything instead of living in the moment. And I've been very weary of that. Like I've been very hesitant, you know, in some moments. And I always think that beauty is always undercaptured in photos and videos. Like you can never really capture the moment in the way that you experienced it. So I think that it's a balance, like, you know, taking pictures and taking videos, but not letting that consume your entire experience, you know? So yeah like I just I that flashes me back to like concerts when people are just like holding their phone up the entire oh, yeah. and I'm like you didn't experience anything like I'll take a video of me and my friends just so I can remember oh yeah I remember that day but that's it like that's all yeah I can't yeah like, can't overdo it like those people they put the whole concert on their story and I'm like bro I'm like if I like type your story and it's the same thing, like for more than three images, I'm like, I love you, bro. But I'm just going to check some other shit out. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, that's all. I mean, balance is really the key to life. Um, I mean, I'm a Libra, so I'm probably biased in saying that, uh, considering that's literally our symbol. Um, but yeah, I mean, balance is really, it really is just the key to everything, you know, finding that balance of like, you know, uh, living in the moment, but also kind of knowing when is a good time. Like, I, I guess, you know, I don't want to say when is a good time to capture those moments because I guess we will never know when is the good time. And so after the fact, um, but yeah, just like knowing maybe when is a good time to just stay in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to maybe overexpose because then if you take too much picture, if you take too much of anything, it becomes oversaturated and like less meaningful. Definitely agree for sure. Yeah, balance is key in that aspect and in every aspect. <laughs> um, but you know, we've been talking about for an, uh, about an hour now, so uh, we'll probably wrap up real soon. Um, but we so we'll have like some more rapid fire questions. Uh, so first things first, this is something um I want to try to get in the habit of asking. I'm trying to get better at asking all my guests. Because uh, this used to be a question I'd ask all my guests in college, my college radio show, and I kind of want to bring it back. But uh, Harold uh, or Uncle Remus? You said Harold or? Uncle Remus. This Harold. is the question that, like, Harold? Yeah. I don't eat meat, but back in oh, my okay. meat. For sure. Harold. Definitely, definitely. And then what's uh, what are some of your favorite neighborhoods in Chicago? Um, I feel like I have to say Beverly because it's really close to where I grew up. Um, and then, uh, probably I really like, I really like Bronzeville. I think that Bronzeville has like this, 
historic-y, like, community vibe that I really like. Um, I, I, I like where I live now. This is my first time living on the north side. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Right now, I'm living in Uptown. Uptown's dope. Um, it's, it's really, really cool. Um, yeah, so I'll probably say those three are, are a couple of my favorites. Mostly the south side, though, you know, south central life. <laughs> Cubs or socks? Socks, socks. Definitely. I'm a Cubs fan, but I understand. I make, you're from the South Side, makes sense. Uh, I, uh, what are some of your, what are some TV shows that you're watching? Um, I am currently watching Grey's Anatomy for the billionth time. Uh, I just found, I just finished Jenny in Georgia, which is a show on Netflix. I've been watching movies way more than TV shows lately because the Oscars are coming up. But yeah, those are some of the TV shows. So are you big into like watching like all the, you know, best nominee, best actor movies? I want to judge how wrong they are when the Oscars come out. That's valid. Uh, I don't blame you for that. I can't, I'm not going to lie. Like low key, like I used to be a big movie nerd in high school, straight mm-hmm like a what's the term film buff and yeah. i'd always be like that during you know oscar season i'd be like oh these people don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. college came i just got so wrong with like everything that i just stopped watching movies i'd watch like two movies a year so anytime Oscars came <laughs> i would be like i would not i wouldn't be emotionally invested because i'm like i only know like three two movies so and like Two of, them aren't, two of them aren't nominated, so I don't know one is like nominated. <laughs> oh my, I watch like two movies a day. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that, I, was, <laughs> that would be me back in high school. But then like since I, I just, something about my attention span just wants to shit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, so now I watch more TV shows, to be honest, specifically like cartoons, though. Uh, just because I'm like, you know, that's my, I like to say I'm a kid at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so then what are some movies? What are some of your Oscar predictions then? Um, I've just seen The Sound of Metal. That movie was so good. It better win. It's nominated for like three different Oscars. So it better win something. Um, I saw The Life Ahead. Maybe I should like say a little bit of what they're about. But like The Life Ahead um, was so good. It was it was about this little boy who was an orphan and he went to stay with this really old lady. He was, he was a little, you know, he had a rough life. Like he was living on the streets. He was used to stealing and selling drugs to make money. Mind you, this kid's like 12. He goes to live with her and he like forms a bond with her. And then she passes away. She was also, um, I hope I'm not getting away too much of the movie, but she was like, a, a, she was a Jew during the Holocaust. So she she was a Holocaust survivor. And so he had to learn about that through her. And it was just, it was a beautiful film. It's, it's completely in Spanish though. So if you're not into subtitles, that might not be the movie for you, but uh, I love foreign films. So uh, yeah, that's, that's one that I just seen. And the boy who harnessed the wind, I think it's set in, I'm not even going to try to guess because I'll probably get it wrong, but it's a, it's somewhere in Africa. Um, it's also completely a different language. But all of those are Oscar nominees and they're all so good. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm, I mean, subsiders are no issue for me. I'm an avid anime washer, so I'm used to it. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to lie, I have been kind of feeling, uh, I don't want to say tapped out, but like I'm kind of like, like I said earlier, like all I watch is cartoons. I'm kind of like, I'm at a stage where I don't know what to watch because I kind of watch everything on watch list. So I'm going to have to thank you for those movie recommendations. Definitely check them out. Um, any books that you're reading? Um, I'm, I'm currently rereading... Uh... The Malcolm X's biography. Yeah, I'm currently rereading that. Um, I am reading How to Be an Anti-Racist. The uh, author's name, I don't want to pronounce it wrong, but if you look it up, it's, it's pretty easy to find. Um, and then, man, I do so much reading for school. I'm a political science major, <laughs> so we're currently like studying all these different political systems, and I'm constantly reading uh, but I, I've been getting into some stuff by Bell Hooks lately. I don't know if you're how familiar you are with her and her activism, but she was she was badass, and I I love her, and I'm learning stuff that I'd never known, and so um, that's currently where like most of my reading is. It's not reading a book, but it's like looking into like past um, like African American activists and reading some of their speeches, reading some of their you know works and watching their interviews so it's kind of been that's where my reading is mostly placed and things like that yeah no you gotta check out this page on instagram called saved by the bell hooks so it's like saved by the bell like screenshots but the quotes that they have are like bell hooks quotes i follow it it's great it's amazing so i think you'd really fuck with that but yeah, no, I'm uh I definitely fuck with Bell Hooks. I went to I went to DePaul. Um and I was like involved with like uh my freshman year. What is it called? The soldier? It was like so dang it, I low-key forgot I low-key forgot what the acronym stood for. It was like social justice stuff. Okay. Um and, like workshops. So like that's how I got introduced to Bell Hooks for sure. Um so yeah, shout out Bell Hooks. Uh where can people find you at? Yeah, so I have um, Instagram. That's really the only social media that I'm on. My Instagram is Kyra V Creator. So the V is T H E E. Um, and Kyra is K Y R A T H E E C R E A T O R. Kyra V Creator. Sure. Um, you have any maybe final words? Or no, actually, no. Before we get to that, um, why should people invest? in you both as just an individual and also as the creator yeah so wow that's actually a question i've never been asked so thank you for asking me that um i think that supporting fellow creatives is important first and foremost and then especially black creatives um but i think that specifically for me i think that i mean i have poured I've poured my heart into all the work that I do, but specifically this book, it's taken me years to build up the courage in order to create it. And so what you're reading is really like looking into the things that I've experienced the things that I have um, learned. And uh, I just want people to relate to it. I want people to understand that other people are experiencing what they experience and maybe name some things that they're experiencing and don't have names for. So I feel like my book can hopefully provide that for some people, um, provide like a name that you're experiencing. So 
I would just say, man, first of all, I, I, pre- I appreciate any support. I appreciate any support as a Black creative. Um, but also, this is something that I worked hard on. This is something that means a lot for me. And um, it's something that I hope can mean a lot for other people as they, you know, are inspired or relate to it. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate uh, appreciate your support as well. You know, I think uh, it's as both of us, both of us as creatives, you know, it's important to to support one another. So I thank you for the opportunity to allow me to support you. Um, Yeah. Do you have any final words that you wish to say? Um, yeah, just if, like you just said, thank you. Um, when I met you off that and had conversations with you, I knew that this is a platform that I wanted to hop on to talk about this. And so happy I did. I mean, I always appreciate speaking with you. So thank you, first and foremost. Um, and really, like I, I just mentioned, this is a book that has come straight from my heart. So I can't wait to see the people who are reading it. I can't wait to hear feedback of how it touched you, inspired you, um, made you feel some type of way, loved it, hated it. I can't wait to like hear those things. So I look forward to um, the feedback. I look forward to it. It's dropping tomorrow. Um, you can grab it on Amazon. Um, Kyra Horton is, it's under my name is Albert Kyra Horton. It's called Cries of the Butterfly. And I just can't wait to see how people react to it. Honestly, I'm excited. So thank you all for the support in advance if you do cop the book. All right, great, y'all. It's been a privilege. Uh, it was a beautiful conversation. And uh, I guess with that, it's your boy Dro. Remember to follow us uh, at Dro in the Wind um, on Twitter and Instagram. That's D-R-O-I-N-D. Oh, I can't spell We'll put it in the description. <laughs> uh, with that, uh, peace. I be talking wild, run up in your spot, and niggas trying to come for blood, and they can't even get the job on niggas lurking through the city. We might send a nigga spot. I think I love to hate my bitch, my hit the road and break my whip, my hood. I can't break away my wish, my wish. I don't play. I might send a nigga shit, nigga shit in the way. I don't fuck with who you.